0: Hi everybody welcome back this is Joni Stahl I hope everybody had a nice weekend I certainly did it was restful and I'm back again and I want to talk to you today about what it really means to be a living sacrifice unto God and you know me before I get started I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ by Putting him in the middle of this because it's all about him and I'm only a vessel so I'm gonna pray Heavenly Father I come before you today and I just want to thank you and I want to thank you Jesus that we can be here today or whoever is watching in the evening or listening in their car or a waiting room that you are in every place your spirit your Holy Spirit there's no place that he is not. I ask that as I speak these words, you would sanctify my mouth, that you consecrate me and that you make me to flow with living waters. Let them flow forth out of my belly. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you said, whoever is hungry, come and let him eat of the living bread and whoever is thirsty, let him come and Let them drink. So I pray that whoever is listening, let your ears be open to hear what the Lord Jesus has for you today or this evening. I'm going to let myself go to you, Lord. I have your word before me, but your word is written in my heart. So you have your way with me, Lord. All right. For I am yours now and evermore. I ask that the word that goeth forth out of my mouth, That, Lord, they would hear your voice, your words, not mine. And I pray that you would take the words that are from me. And, Lord, whatever you want them to hear in it from your spirit with them here. I ask for your presence now to be here from start to finish. And that you would seal it in the love of God, in the blood of the Lamb, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here I am. You know, lately I've been thinking about, you know, I guess, you know, when you're older, you start thinking about when you were younger and, you know, when you're reading the word all the time, you know, and you pass through the years, you start reading it a whole lot slower. And when you're younger, you're trying to like eat the big end of the elephant because you want to catch up and you want to know and you want to not just catch up with everybody. You're just so hungry for Christ and you're mowing down big chunks of the word and you're just in you've got your finger in the pie of every chapter of the bible and but when you get older you know you go through all these different disciplines and and understandings of the word and what it means to fear the lord and what knowledge is and what understanding you go through all so much and we never stop learning but when you get older let me just tell you, you you do you slow down quite a bit and you don't just mow down the word you you chew it a whole lot slower and You think about what it really means and you know you start comparing scripture with scripture and you start and you start to realize that that you when you've come a full circle I'm not saying I've come full circle I think I probably have a long life the Lord willing but you know I'll be 58 this year and I just see things so much differently when now that I'm older and so I was just really thinking about what it really means when we say to the Lord because I remember saying Romans chapter two, you know 1 you know verses 1 and 2 Lord I I offer unto you myself a living sacrifice holy acceptable you know and I say all these things and we meet it at the time right like when you're younger You know, even when if you're an older person and you just got saved, you mean it. You're like, Lord, I offer unto you my body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. You say all these things. But there is so much that goes into our life as born again Christians. And I just feel so full of his word. And I just keep reading it and it just becomes so much sweeter. You know, I think about what it says in uh, psalm 34 when king david says taste and see that the lord is good and you know we do we taste it and we see right we taste of the lord he's so sweet isn't he and our eyes are brightened but then when we see him in the new testament we see the disciples of john the baptist following jesus and jesus turned around and saw them following him and said what do you want and they said uh, Master, where do you live? And he said, come and see. So, you know, in the Old Testament, it's taste and see. But he's the spirit. He is not this. Well, he is, a, you know, the spirit of God, Triune Godhead. But he is manifested in the flesh. He manifested in the flesh through the virgin birth. And so now it's come and see. And we can come and see Christ in his word. And you know, I want to talk about what it means, as I said, in Romans chapter 12. And I just want to go over some things in Romans chapter 12. And this probably is like a good old fashioned Bible study, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead. You know, there's a million Bible studies you can sit through, but I let the Holy Spirit have his way here. I'm only a vessel just like you are. So let's begin. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, like he, a beseech, you know what a beseech is? It's like a pleading, a begging, not like not a recommendation, not a suggestion. He's beseeching you. So if Paul, the apostle is beseeching us, there's something he's trying immediately to get your attention from. Because if you were to begin this, um, I suggest you, therefore, brethren, we'd be like, oh, okay. But if somebody's begging you, doesn't that get your attention? If I'm like, look, I'm begging you guys to listen to me. I beseech you, please. Okay. Whatever the information is going to come out after that, you're all ears now. You're understanding that there is a quality. There is a difference in the proceeding of the proceedings. Okay. So you're taking it immediate seriously. And he says, by the mercies. Of God, so he's not just pleading, beseeching us. He's doing it by the mercies of God. He's not doing it, Lord, oh, by the love of God or or by the goodness of God or the righteousness of God. He's saying, by the mercies of God, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Mercy is the next big thing. He's saying, I'm I'm beseeching you by his mercy. Why? Let's find out that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, let's stop there. See, no one is going to present your body as a living sacrifice. No one can do that but you. No one can take you by the hand and say, here, I'm going to bring you to my church and I'm going to let you talk to pastor so-and-so and I'm going to present you to him and then we'll all lay hands on you and we'll present you to God. It's not the same. You have to take ownership of your faith. You have to take ownership of your salvation. No one is going to run your race for you. No one, no one can. You know, we were familiar with all those. Well, until you've walked a mile in my shoes Well, we're not walking a mile in anybody's shoes. I don't want you to walk a mile in my shoes. I want you to walk in the presence of the Lord in his sandals, in his footsteps. It says, for righteousness has gone before him and hath placed us in the way of his steps. So we are beseeched, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So when we say a living sacrifice, you have to look back into the Old Testament because at this point, there was no New Testament written. So Paul is is describing a living sacrifice as the Lamb of God or the the burnt offerings of the bullocks or, or the sin offering of the goats or a cleansing offering of the two pigeons. A living, they were living sacrifices. They had to be killed until instead of animal for man, which was never going to ever clear the conscience and make us free from guilt because everybody had to do that once a year at the year of atonement. Plus they had to do it all the time as the year went through. But what does it really mean to be a living sacrifice? You're alive. I'm alive, but we're alive in Jesus Christ now. Yes, we live and move. We have his being. But as you're living every single day as a professing, confessing, born again, child of the most high God. You're doing so in front of the world. They're watching you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you are striking some deal at your desk in some finance office or folding towels, or pushing a broom somewhere, bagging groceries. Whatever you're doing, you're a living sacrifice. It's not something that we just take into our mind and say, well, I'm going to be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, those animals, well, they didn't have a choice. Their, Their lives were taken, and they were killed, and their blood was spilled out at the right side of the altar, And it was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ to shed his blood for you. He gave up his life for you. He laid down his life of his own accord for you and for me. He, No one made him do it, right? He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I lay it down and I take it up again. See, he had... A choice. He chose to lay down his life as the ultimate living sacrifice. A body was prepared for him. He said, A body thou hast prepared for me. And when he went through all the things he did from childhood all the way to that cross to all the last seven things he said on that cross to the end, He was always presenting himself as a living sacrifice, though no one understood it at the time. But now we have understanding. We understand what it means to be a living sacrifice. We look at those words. I think of those words daily. You know, it says in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus says, If anyone will be my disciples, let him take up his cross daily and follow after me. The other gospels don't say that. They just say, take up your cross and follow after me. See, we want to follow Christ in in his life, of course. We, we are partakers of his life, his beauty, and all that he is. But we also need to realize that we need to be partakers of his death. And so when we see this, a living sacrifice, that means as we're living, We are living, we're we're dying to things every day, aren't we? Because if you're truly a living sacrifice, you're going the way Jesus went. You know, we talk about that narrow road that we read about in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read that right now. Matthew chapter 7. And it says here. Matthew chapter 7. It says. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few that be uh, few there be that find it. Now Jesus says of himself in John 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know that he says... In John ten ten, I am the door. He that cometh in an, into into me will find life, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. I take that as meaning you receive eternal life, and you go out, and then you live your life, and you're coming back in as in prayer. You're 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 a living sacrifice. You're taking you're taking what the Holy Spirit is showing you that Jesus said He would. The Holy Spirit. But you have to commune with the Holy Spirit. You have to commune with God while you're in your bed, like David said. And he even said he woke up in the middle of the night to give God praise. He said, seven times a day do I praise thee. When you read Psalm 119, we talk about the fact, I mean, the whole thing is about how he loved his law, how he loved his statutes, how he meditated on them day and night. A person that truly loves the Lord. Is a living sacrifice, and you're sacrificing yourself on that on on that cross. When you're picking up your cross daily and following after Him, it's a daily life. You know, and I was reading in the Word today, and it was Psalm, I believe it was 95, and it said that day day by day we show forth His good works. So if we're showing his good works day by day. It's not that we're just doing things so people can see us because that doesn't count. You're not a living sacrifice. If you are doing things where you have no heart for it at all, you might as well stop what you're doing right now. Because you see, God is not interested in what you do for him. You cannot add to the work of the cross there's nothing you could add but your sin you know let me say the first thing he says that you present your body a living sacrifice what's the first thing he says you have to be holy well that's a that's that's a hard nut to crack there for a lot of people because that's a requirement there are conditions you know people go well I don't accept that I believe God receives us just as we are Well, yeah, he does to a degree, but the more you know, the more you're required, right? To whom much is given, much more will be required. And to him that hath little, you know, he doesn't use it. It's that he'll be taken away from him, that what which he thinks he has. Samson lost it. The church of Ephesus lost it. They left their first love. We read all the way through the church history, all the way to this Laodicean period, where they're, not, they're no living sacrifices. The majority of Christians are on the broad road. They're not living sacrifices. You guys, I'm not saying... I, and let, let me be clear. I am not sitting here on some seat in Moses' seat. I am still exercising myself into godliness. We all are doing that. But it says, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And listen, it's not like we're, we're doing some big vitriolic, um, I'm laying down myself, you know, like the Pharisees who love to make loud prayers so they can be seen and heard, heard of all men and how they would throw their money into the, uh, bucket in front of people so that and ring a bell so everybody can say, ooh, look at what they did. Look, God is not interested in anything that we are doing that has any bit of contamination of our flesh. In the flesh dwells no good thing. Now God will appreciate our sincere efforts. Let me be clear about this because you might be saying, well then what are we supposed to do? Here is what you are supposed to do. Read your Bibles. Understand what pleases God. That's what Paul says. He said, understand. He know, he said, he said, find out what pleases God. You know what pleases God? That you hope in his mercy. You know what pleases God that you show compassion. And I want to talk about that compassion. You know, a lot of things that we we read in the Bible because we're so American centrized We're so fully full of intelligence and liter literary understanding. And we're looking up everything. What is the meaning of this? But listen, I want to talk about the condition of your heart. Because that's where Christ lives. And if you're going to be a living sacrifice, holy. And you're going to, see, you have to present yourself. Think about how you will present yourself. Are you ready to present yourself now? Because if you're going to live a living sacrifice, let's talk about something here. Because I want to look at the word compassion. Compassion, to me, among all these things is part of being holy. You know, lately we've been seeing... The scourge of this plague, it's 71,000 people are infected by it today. 44 more people are infected on that cruise. There's this, there's that, there's happening. And we see it for ourselves. It's in our face. And, but if we're lacking compassion, we're lacking the heart of God. Because you see, we can be compassionate. Like we can say, well, and I'll throw myself right in there. I have to really start looking at myself and my level of compassion for the lost, for the dying, for the suffering. And it's all around us. There's no shortage of people that are desperate. There's no shortage of people that are suffering in loneliness. There's no shortage of tormented people, of, of people that are bombarded by Satan every day that are demonized there is no shortage of starving people's world. The list is endless of all kinds of suffering. But if we're going to present ourselves a living sacrifice, we have to be holy. And in that holiness, there are conditions that we can even come to prayer. One of them is compassion. We have to have compassion because God is a compassionate God. You know, I was looking at Matthew 9, 35 through 37, and Jesus went out went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom kingdom, and healing every sickness. Now, let me see. Let's just see. What is the gospel of the kingdom? It says right here in Isaiah, we're all familiar with it, Isaiah 61. And it says here, It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you born again? Because, you see, he lives within you. So when Jesus is, he even, he says this in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord, he has anointed me to preach good tidings Unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. These are the things that you and I need to be doing. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all them that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And you guys, you can't do any of this without compassion. You can try to do it. Let's look at what the Lord, he said, he went preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So this is not good news, not good advice. This is good news. Everybody is so quick to read the bad news every day. Oh, did you hear who died? Did you hear? Everybody is wondering about Harry and Meghan Markle. Now they're living in Canada. Did you see that $5,000 dress she's wearing? Oh, did you hear what's happening with, with this in the government? Did you see what they did? And all the while, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking in your mortality. Look, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And you know what else is going to remain forever? You and me are going to remain forever with Christ. You know what it says in the word? Paul says, you can be sure of this. He says, you have brought nothing into this world and you're taking nothing out. But I say, yes, Paul, you're right. But it says in Psalm 7 and Psalm 146, that, um, oh, I believe it's Psalm 146. However, it says, no, Psalm 145, it says, for your heart shall live forever. You know why your heart shall live forever? Because you see, that's the seat of the Holy Spirit, where you have served him in the love of God, in the compassion of the Lord. As you're holding out the word of life to preach good tidings into the meek where you are sent by God to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim the liberty to captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound because we are to remember them that are bound as though we are bound with them and that we are to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, we need to understand that this is, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So you have to be accepted. Look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to split hairs, I'm not going to talk about regeneration. I'm not going to talk about Calvinism. I'm not going to talk about Arminianism. I'm just going to give it to you because the Lord showed something to me today. I was looking up this in Greek. I was looking at this in Hebrew. And you know, the Lord shut it down that fast. I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, you speak plainly to them. You speak and you tell them, you speak to them like you would be speaking to a five-year-old. And think about this. When the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, what was the first thing God told them to do? He said, make an altar of stones where no iron has been hit upon it, be, you know, chiseled it. You just put stones on there and you put a tablet on there and write plainly the law of the law of God. You see, God wants to make it plain to you. God wants you to understand. That he's sending you, and it says here, but, but, but see, because he's sending you, right? Jesus says in John 20, 21, he says, As a father hath sent me, so send I you. To do what? To preach good tidings unto the meek. And he sends you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison of them that are bound. And when you make yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto the Lord, that's because your life has been prescribed by suffering, by the death on the cross, by walking daily following Him. See, God's not going to follow you. The only thing that will follow you all the days of your life are assurance of goodness and mercy, but there's conditions. You, it says, For the Lord is my shepherd, right? And remember that part where he says, for he leadeth me beside the still water. See, you're not going to lead Christ. He wants to lead you. So there are conditions, just like there are conditions to prayer. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But I want to go back to compassion because I saw today How great compassion is. But when it says, and Jesus was he, okay, let's read this. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. And were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. So remember that good news is not good advice and that, and the, and the word compassion, it's a gutsy word because it's connected with the guts, the bowels of mercy. And I love that. You know, I heard Jackie Pullinger say that. I was listening to her the other day. She goes, that's a gutsy word. And I was like, yeah, sister, that's a gutsy word. And she's right. The word compassion is a gutsy word because it is connected with the guts, the bowels of mercy. Jesus was filled with compassion. Do you understand what that means? He was filled with compassion. Let me read something here. In John 1 uh, 1 John 3.17, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. You know, when I think about that compassion, I think about really what does compassion mean? You know, I, I did look up something where I thought, well, that, I really like what that said because I thought, you know, Lord, the the word compassion directly means your intestines, your your guts. It even said the word uterus. It even said that, which I thought was kind of interesting. But something has to happen inside of you. If you're going to truly preach the good news of the gospel, if you're going to Preach good tidings of God. If you are going, let me get back there again. If you are going to uh, bind up the brokenhearted, how are you going to bind up the brokenhearted unless your heart has not been completely crushed, gone through, beaten down while a Christian going through the darkness, knowing what it means and what it feels like for yourself to receive mercy. How are you going to give away what you don't have? You can give away a form of it. You know, it says in the word, it says, let, let your love, let not your um, love be with dissimulation. And it says that in Philippians. And I looked at what that word dissimulation meant. And it said, with phoniness with like you're fooling her. Oh, here, you know, I really want to give this to you. It's like, forget it. It's like Solomon, Solomon even said, if you go to eat with the ruler and he sets before you those dainties, he goes, be careful. He says, because you're going to eat that, although luxurious food, but his heart is not with you. You see, be very careful what you're doing in the name of the Lord. If you're carrying his name and his gospel message, it is a message that's going to save people. It has absolute eternal consequences. We have to be living sacrifices, but first we have to be holy. We have to be holy. And in being holy, you know how the Lord, you know how it says, be ye holy as I am holy. Holy. I can't make myself holy. I can present myself a living sacrifice unto God, holy, acceptable, and pleasing unto God, which is my reasonable service. But how does that happen? It says, we. the next part is don't be conformed to this world. I'll tell you, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, we we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we may know, that we may prove what is good and acceptable in the, in the perfect will of God. Again, we have to be in the word daily. Some people might look at that and, you know, it's hard on you. But listen, God is not like you. He's not like me. He, he sees your heart. He knows you want to be holy. Ask him what you cannot do. He knows we can't make ourselves Holy. He has to make us holy. We have to go to God. We have to say, Lord, it's impossible for me to make myself holy. But I will read your word. I'll conform myself to I'll renew myself in the renewing. I won't conform myself. You know, I look at Philippians and I love this word. And it says here, if there be it is chapter two, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. If any fellowship of the spirit, you want fellowship with the spirit. These are the conditions. He says after that, if any bowels of mercies, which is really synonymous with compassion. So there's that word if, if there are there before, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels of mercy, he says Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that mind. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even unto the death of the cross. So you see, we want to follow him. We want to become obedient unto the death of the cross. And listen, the flesh is going to fight that. The flesh is going to fight you being holy. As soon as Satan sees that you want to be holy, expect all kinds of strange events to start happening to you. Weird, bizarre things to tempt you. All kinds of things that he will drudge up from your past. All kinds of bizarre things where people tempt, he's going to tempt you to be instantly angry he's going to tempt you to be to do things through strife and vain glory because you're offended you know he's going to tempt you but listen there's nothing he can't make you do he he can tempt you but he can't make you do it but you see let that mind that is in you that was in Christ be in you how You got to renew it. You got to be active. You got to be forward. You got to be stout with your faith. You got to own your faith. You want to present yourself, your body. See, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in there. You know, I was reading something from somebody. I won't say her name because she didn't give me permission to use it, but I know she wouldn't mind what I say she was upset about what was happening in China and she was thinking about how how different it is because when you were in the world Lord she was saying when you when the Lord she was thinking towards the Lord say when the Lord was here she said God you were here we could see you we could touch you and he said something to her to the effect of my body is still in the world and you know That was just so powerful to me. And I thought, think about what that really means. That we are his body. How he spoke to her and said, my body is still in the world. We're the body of Christ. Think about what that means. We don't want to be conformed to this world. We want to be a God who is full of compassion. You know, I love what it says here in Lamentations. This I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. So what are we to do? See, there's things that are given to us to do. We can put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy or compassion, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long suffering. Listen, God says of listen to what God says of himself in Exodus 30 through 19. And that was Colossians 312. And he said, you remember when Moses went to God and he said, I don't. You've got to go with me. These are your people. Send somebody to go with me to lead them through this wilderness. And God said, I will. My presence will go with you. You know, and he said, so we know that, you know, the the story, read it. It's in Exodus 33. But later on, he said, show me your glory. And God told him, stand beside me on this rock. And he overshadowed him with his hand. And the Lord went by him and he saw only the back part of him. And the Lord said to him before that, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy or compassion on whom I will show mercy, which is compassion Listen, his compassions fail not. Think about it. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw that leper. When we're moved by compassion, something changes in you. Something changes in me. Because what he's saying is that when we're moved in that compassion, we're moved to do something greater than ourselves. Haven't you ever been moved by something where all of a sudden it's like, it's something that's something of the Lord and you know it because it's greater than yourself self. It's a force. It's a source greater than yourself. Those living waters just don't want to run out of you. They want to explode out of you. You want to run. You want to run. You want to plunge through the troops and leap over walls to go help that person. You take no for an answer. You're not going to say, well, I don't know. Um, This is usually the time I do this or that. All of a sudden, you're, you're a living sacrifice, aren't you? See, when you're moved with compassion, that's when you become a living sacrifice. If you're not being moved by compassion, there's something wrong. Our prayers become weak, are weak. The works and things that we do are weak. You see, when we get filled up with this word, when we get Filled up with it and we go over it and over it and over it and over it. Then it is God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We're, we're not part time servants. We don't just clock in and then clock out. And then we don't ask the Lord to step outside while we watch filth on television. We, we don't compromise the word of truth. We are his body. I want you to look at something. You see this body I'm in? You have one just like me. Are you gonna, when you step on dog doo-doo, what, what does it make you feel like? Defiled, right? What happens when you work all day long and you got dirt on you? Well, what do you want to do? You want to live with dirt on you? No, you want to wash. You don't want to stink. You want to feel good, but don't we stink up God's body? I'm, I'm sorry to put it that way, but yet at the same time, I'm not. Listen, we serve a holy God. See his holiness. He is holy, harmless, separate from sinners. You see, we think we know so much about the Lord. We need to take a couple of steps back. Because what it says to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. You know, when you think about that, when it says our reasonable service, it almost kind of sounds like it's forgive give me, you know what I mean? But yet he's beseeching us to do it. Look, there's going to be loss at the bema seat of Christ. Your time that's given you on earth is not promised to you tomorrow. Neither is mine. I, I pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ that he gives you an eternal peak over his fence. You know what is so important to me that defines this little ministry that I have? Is to make the other world more real than this one to you. I love that. And what do you think this Bible does? This is from everlasting. Holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They knew God. They moved in the wake of his power. Even when there was no Old Testament written, when there was no New Testament written, the power of the Holy Spirit exploded in them. What lacked in having a Bible, the Holy Spirit gave them everything that they knew. And they were holy. They were acceptable unto God. They presented themselves a living sacrifice. See, we are the body of Christ. Do you like junk food? I hate it. I don't want to eat it. We know what it does to our body. The more you eat junk food, the more you kill off this body. No way. But if you're just going to be like, well, I'm just going to read the word or I'm going to let my pastor. I'll just go to church on Sunday and I'll take the notes. I'll look at my notes during the week. I'm not your judge. I'm your sister in Christ. I care about your eternal life. You know, there's many fathers and mothers in Christ. I'm your sister. I'm another sister in Christ. But I'm here to educate you. Look, the fear of the Lord needs to be in you. The fear of the Lord needs to be in the body of Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, we need to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. When you fear the Lord, it's because you have a revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, when we have been given a revelation of this word, we need to always be asking God to give us a revelation of Jesus Christ. And let me say this to you. When you present your body a living sacrifice, ask God to give you a revelation of what that means, to give you a revelation of holiness. Because it says we're to remember his holiness. And that, you know, we're to have clean hands and a pure heart. Not lifting up ourselves into vanity, nor swearing deceitfully. This world that we're in, it is, it's filthy. We have to keep ourselves harmless, holy and harmless. Now, separate from sinners, as much as possible, but we can't help it if we work with, work with them or live with them or live next door to them. But we keep ourselves, right? And I taught that last time. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself from idols. Keep your heart pure. Keep the word of the Lord. Keep yourselves. Keep yourselves in the law of God. Keep his commandments. If you love him, you keep his commandments. I'm not talking about Hebrew roots. I want nothing to do with that line. I'm talking about that. We don't want to cheapen the grace of God. We don't want to wind up one day going, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many works in your name? You know why? That was with dissimulation. See, God is not mocked. He sees you. He knows your thoughts. He says, I know you. I know you're down sitting and you're uprising. I understand your thoughts from afar. I perceive a word that will be spoken on your lips before you speak it. I compass your path and you're lying down. That means when you're sleeping in bed, he's around you. Meaning he's waiting for you when you wake up. He wants to commune with you. You have a God that wants to speak to you. And I'll tell you, never before in my, in history, have I ever seen God speaking so loudly to this world. He is speaking through signs. And let me tell you when God speaks. You know when God speaks, it says where he speaks, where his gospel is being preached. You know when people, they want to go to these prophecy conventions and they want people, oh, the Lord is really moving in there. Let me tell you something. They want this. They want to see signs and they want to see wonders. And most of that stuff I'll say to you is rubbish because you got to pay $400, $300 so that you can get something. You don't need to pay money to go get something from God. You just got to sit where you're sitting now. It says, look unto me and be ye saved. Look unto me. Look at what it says in Psalm 5. Give ear unto my word, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. For unto thee will I pray. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto you. And we'll look up. You see... Nowadays, everybody wants the short order. Come on, give it to me quick. I don't have a lot of time. You know, there's this, there's an old poem that says, make time for God as soon to say, make time for God as soon to say, there is no time to eat, to live, to work, to die. Make time for God or a poor mishappened thing will be when you step into eternity and say, I had no time for thee. We have a God that's teaching us what it means to be a living sacrifice. He says in verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man, the measure of faith. I was listening to Jackie Pullinger and she had said that a man came to her and he said, Jackie, will you please pray for me? And she said, what do you want? What do you want? And he said, I pray, uh, lay hands on me and pray that I would have more compassion. She goes, I can't give you compassion. I can't pray for that. You have to go out there and get your own compassion. And, she went on to talk about, you got to go to them. You got to go to them, not send a text message, not send an email. You got to go to them. You got to lay your eyes on the suffering. So many go, I don't want to look at that. It's so depressing. It's so sad. Well, you will never be a living sacrifice. Oh, you can be a Christian. You'll be saved. You're still going to be loved by God as much as anyone else. But don't you want to be all that you can for Christ? Why settle? Why settle for a cheap serving on at some I'm not going to call cheap servings at Sunday church or Bible study. Let me rephrase that. Do you love God? I mean really. I want to ask you, do you love him? Because you see, if you love God, it says, he who loves God, the same is known of him. How is it known of you if you love God? How is it known of you? Because of your compassion. Because you're moved by compassion. You don't have to go to some foreign country. Some people say, well, Jonah, I I can't go on any missions. I've never been called myself to go on any missions. But you have neighbors. You have people around you. If you don't have anybody around you, have compassion in prayer. You have no idea. We have no idea that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fervent, effectual prayer. Oh, man. I remember this one little old lady. I I remind you of this. I went to this little church in the desert and there was these beautiful black people. I loved them so much. They were on fire for Christ. I mean, they were an alive church in this little air raid architecture building in the middle of 29 Palms, California, where when we got out of our car, I was my feet were covered with dust. I didn't care. I loved them they were alive and they sang with all their heart and they prayed with all their heart and they preached with all their heart. I was, I was so alive when I came out of church, I was standing outside and this little lady about this big came to me and she point the only thing she said to me, is, she walked up to me and she pointed her finger up to me and she said, let me tell you something. The prayer of the weakest saint will drive the devil. And man, I felt that power come into me like that. I was like, whoa. And I never forgot that. You see, it's not about, well, we have a big prayer service over here. I'll tell you something. God can be found in one person in the middle of a field in power that looks up to him and says, unto thee I lift up my cry unto you, O God, unto you do I pray. Lord, I direct my prayer unto you and I look up for you are a God of mercy, of great compassion. Your compassions fail not. They're new every morning. You know what that means? Even if you died tonight, he's still going to, his compassions are everywhere, even in places in the habitations of cruelty. Listen. Listen. We're not going, it says, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Whatever measure of faith, you guys, I have people that write to me and say, you know, I'm really praying that God would show me what to do. I want to do this or I, I, I don't know if I should do that. Just do something. Begin to multiply your talents. I don't care if you're opening the door for somebody. Give them a flashing smile because Christ is flashing that smile He's using your face to flash a smile to a grumpy person that has no love in their life. You know, people are watching you. Oh, they may hate you. They may cast out your name as evil. They may mock you, scorn you, ridicule. But I'll tell you something, what I know about enemies in the flesh, there are many that secretly respect you. Oh, they'll never come out and say it, but there's something in you that they see that is notable. And that is what God prepares, preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ Christ and every one members of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophecy accord, prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness, and let love be without dissimulation. Here's that word again. Do everything from a pure heart or don't do it. Okay, please stop. Don't go beyond your measure of faith. You have a list of things. Whatever that thing is, do it with a pure and honest and holy heart. You're a living sacrifice. God's body is you. You are comprised of it. It says he walks in you. He moves and bre- moves in you and has his being in you. Think about what that means. Think about what it means when you go, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. Have mercy. Or you come to him and you praise him. I glorify and extol the God of gods, the God of heaven and the high and lofty places the high and lofty one who inhabiteth eternity whose name is above all names oh you commune with the holy by the spirit of the living god and you begin to wax greater and greater because it says he that holdeth on to his righteousness will grow stronger and stronger it says in uh second timothy two thirteen. it says um, but the but the deceiver. I'm going to go there because I'm in Timothy right now, and um, and it says here. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Look, God, the man of God is to be in you. It says that the man of God is says. And down here it says in Second Timothy, it says in 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So listen. Don't give up the ghost on your faith, on the things. Multiply your talents. Show compassion. God says of himself, I am compassion. Think about what that means. God is full of compassion. He is full of mercy. He is full of love. Everything about God, he is full of And, you know, I want to just give you just one. I I close my Bible because I was just about to stop. But I want to just really I'm going to just flash some stuff, of some scriptures before you, because we're so quick to say, well, we're the children of God. You know, oh, what manner of uh, man is this that we should be manner of this that we should be called the children of God. Right. We're so quick to say, well, we're the children of God. We're the children of God. I am looking for my notes. Here it is. Listen to this. This is what the children of the enemy are called. And I have all the scriptures for it, but I'm going to blast through it, okay? Here's Satan's children. Child of hell. Your father, the devil. Children of wrath. Sons of disobedience. Sons of Belial. You son of the devil. The tares are the sons of the evil one. Children of the devil are obvious. Obvious. The sinners, the sinner is of the devil, children of disobedience, children of the night, children of the darkness, sons of perdition, vessels of wrath. Listen to what it says about the children were the uh, vessels of mercy were the uh, children of, oh, let me say here, um, children of the promise, vessels of mercy, children of God, children of the resurrection Um, Oh, don't forget, there's also cursed children. I had that written down. Children of the light, children of the day, children of God, called the sons of God, led by the Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. We have power to become the sons of God. The Spirit bears witness that we are the sons of God. We have the spirit of adoption, whereby which we cry out, Abba, Father, he will be my son. Anybody who becomes saved, he will be my son, and I will be his father. Be ye followers of God as dear children. The children of God are obvious in First John three ten. Now are we the sons of God? John says, and he goes on to say, uh, and you know that the children of God are peacemakers. We're the sons of God. We're the sons of the Most High. We have, and if you listen. If I broke down all of those things, it would take me four weeks to break down what it means to be a child of darkness or a child of light, to be a child of the devil or to be, to be the child of the father by the blood of Jesus Christ, to be cursed children, to be blessed children, to be vessels of wrath or to be vessels of mercy, to be sons of Belial or sons and daughters of God. Listen, listen, We are the body of Christ. We are the children of God. We are to be filled with the compassion, filled with his love. You know, how about Ananias and Sapphira? Ananias and Sapphira, why have Satan lied to you that he has filled your heart to lie into the Holy Ghost? See, Satan can fill your heart. Don't let Satan fill your heart. You make sure God fills your heart. You renew your mind. You know, we want to, we want to be so quick to go, Oh Lord, I pray for the mind of Christ. You want the mind of Christ? Read this. Read this all the time, every day. Cause let me tell you something, heaven and earth will pass away. But this world that we're living in, it's perishing every day. There's people that are dying left and right. I see, we see people that are wealthy, people that are of high prominence, movie stars. They're dead, unsaved. There was no salvation. And there's all these other millions of people. 150,000 people a day die. Think about how many people were born again. Listen, you want the mind of Christ? Then I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and pleasing. For this is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll tell you something. One day, I'm going to share something with you. I didn't, I didn't expect to. In the middle of the night last night, I was, I was laying there. I couldn't sleep. I was trying to talk to the Lord, but my mind was not fully awake. And so as I was going back to sleep, I was thinking about how soon Christ was coming. I was thinking about Jesus and how much I love him and how I can't wait to see him. And as I began to fall asleep, I was entering into a dream and it was a flash. And it was like I was looking up and I saw the Lord. Like, I was looking up at him, but from a distance, like a short distance, like maybe as far as me to, I don't know, the headboard. And I saw him placing a crown on somebody's head. I just saw part of their head. I knew they were kneeling and their head was bound. And I was so amazed. I said, Lord, I can't believe it. And I thought, Joni, it's coming. It's coming soon. So... Present yourself. Think about what that means to present yourself a living sacrifice today and be compassionate. Cause you remember what it says, the final book in Jude of the, of the epistles. It says, of some have compassion, making a difference and of others snatching them out of the fire. I mean, we're right there. So. Of compa- have You make a difference with compassion. And in that compassion, pull them out of the fire and use everything God gave you. Use everything. Ask God for everything. You ask God, give me everything. That's what I do. I say, God, give me everything. Give me everything I need to serve you so I could preach the gospel to the poor. That you would send me. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set them at liberty, them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You know what I believe? I believe that the acceptable year of the Lord is now. All right, you guys. I'm going to leave that with you because I don't want to keep going. It's already over an hour. But I want to encourage you. Do not be unwise but be ye understanding of what the will of the Lord is and walk circumspectly and redeem the time because the days are evil and God will give you everything that you need. All you have to do is ask him. All right, you guys. Well, God bless you. Have a beautiful week. Shalom and go with the Lord. Bye-bye.